0: Every year on Capitol Hill, the only religious liberty event on Capitol Hill is sponsored by the Seventh-day Adventist Church and Liberty Magazine, the nation's oldest and very best magazine devoted exclusively to religious freedom. So I'm very pleased to welcome back my friend, the editor of Liberty Magazine, Lincoln Steed. Well, thank
1: Thank you. It's worth being on the program just to hear your wonderful uh, promotion of Liberty. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Uh, and well deserved because it's much bigger than you and me. It's been on. It's been continuously published now for uh,
0: 110 years. Yes, it has been. And honestly, I think that you know the Seventh Day Adventist Church, Liberty Magazine, we're here to stay. You know, I see different independent organizations dealing with different Christian policy issues coming and going. But everybody knows that we're not going anywhere. We're continuing to advocate for religious freedom. And I think, you know, the fact that we do this, this annual event on Capitol Hill every year is very significant. You know, tell us about this year's dinner, the Liberty Dinner that you Well, started.
1: we're closing on, on 20 years, a couple of years to go, so 20 years for, for doing this. Um, by the way, we're here to stay in the practical sense, but... Uh, eschatologically, uh, we expect to leave one day. The, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back and and all the events around us tell us that the human story is reaching the climax and religious liberty is more important than it's ever been and will be till the very end of time. So, yeah, we're in it for the duration of uh, this play out. Uh, the Liberty Dinner this year uh, was a different venue. We started the uh, Russell Senate Caucus Room where a number of important hearings have been. The uh, uh, the, Titanic uh, hearing, the Watergate hearings, the, uh, Iran country, I think you, you, um, uh, that was a good venue, but we've changed it a couple of times for a number of reasons. And this year it was at the organization of American states, uh, hall and, and reception area just across from the Roosevelt building, which is called part of the White House. So it's, it, this is right at Capitol Hill as far as the center of power. And we had the usual pretty good cross-sectional representation from uh, uh, staffers on the Hill. Uh, we even had our Adventist uh, legislator, Sheila Jackson Lee, there, privileged to have a reminder that Adventists are not just speaking to power, they're part of the power. And, uh, and of course, the diplomatic community, the NGO community. Uh, we had a very interesting speaker, not a political speaker this year, but a, an ex-parliamentarian uh, from Turkey. And I'm bad on names. You might remember his name from the program. Uh he joked with us about the pronunciation. So if I do remember it, I'll I'll murder it. But you know, he gave a very good presentation of how this this wannabe Western power, uh, an Islamic largely Islamic nation, is, is struggling with religious liberty. And at the moment, of course, uh they're on the wrong side of things with the imprisonment of a uh, of a Christian Uh, pastor uh, who has been accused of spying, which is probably a trumped-up charge. So there are religious tensions and political tensions with Turkey, and so this was very topical to have the speaker. But what I think you and I want to get across is, and it's always a significant part of the dinner, we had a number of awards, and one very particular award was the National Award to Holly Holman, the legal counsel and associate director of the Baptist Joint Committee. They are fellow travelers with us on on how they see religious liberty and the separation of church and state. And Holly, uh, a trained lawyer, has been uh, a tower of strength for her own organization and and a wonderful help for us and others in clarifying the very complicated issues from time to time.
0: Well, you know, Holly has been a guest on this show many, many times on many and she's written for Liberty a number of times. And uh, you know, others from the Baptist Joint Committee. I I've often said that as Seventh Day Adventists, we kinda of stand on Baptist shoulders in terms of kind of the history and tradition of our understanding of the structure of, of church.
1: One of the special opportunities that I have during every dinner is just a little mini-presentation, a welcome, and to make a comment that I hope will take root with the attendees. And what I said this year, I really deeply feel, because a lot of people think this is the coming to the kingdom with this administration that's very friendly to religion, which is a great thing. But I said we're in danger of heading in two directions, as defined by, and I used code words, the Milvian Bridge and Clermont. The Milvian Bridge was the battle that uh, Constantine won, won the emperorship of Rome, and then of course announced that divinely uh, he was now to become a Christian and champion the Christian cause. It was the beginning of a lot of bad things for the Christian uh, Church. The uh, Clermont experience was where Pope Urban, at the time when uh, Jerusalem was being troubled by the uh, the Muslims. He stood up and he said, uh, we need to go there, fight a holy war. God wills it. And I think uh, global uh, terrorism and security issues are intersecting with a triumphalist sense of uh, you know, God's promised coming to power for the United States. And I think it's a moment of extreme danger.
0: So if I can reflect on what I hear you saying, Lincoln, um, you know, within Christian media today, Christians are hearing a lot about persecution of Christians around the world, and these are very serious issues, and we, we cover them on Freedom's Ring periodically, regularly. You know, persecution of places like uh, China and, of course, North Korea. Absolutely. for of, of Christians in Iraq, in Egypt, and many other places. But what I hear you saying is that there may be something that's even more dangerous for the church than persecution, and that's power. And what Absolutely. America, power is corrupt. What First America, is a, a narrow wing of the Christian church uh el- being elevated into the highest positions of power in our country, and that this is not necessarily good news for religious freedom. So you need to no. explain why not. Well,
1: the same reason. Just uh, today, I listened to a uh, a Muslim legislator who said that he once was a fundamentalist jihadi, but he's seen the error of it. And he pointed out that all sorts of communities, religious and otherwise, have have issues of poverty and and you know and trouble and things that you know you can give an excuse and say that tends them to violence. He says, but how come Islam? And he says what they're nurtured on is a sense of grievance that they're being persecuted, they're being troubled. And I notice this at the moment, both politically and religiously in the U.S., the right wing, which has become conflated with uh, fundamentalist Christianity, they have this sense that they're under a siege and under attack, but actually they've come to power. And that's the uh, uh, combination that produces a, a very aggressive attitude toward the other. And we're seeing that worked out many, many ways in the U.S., uh, we really need to shake our heads and look clearly, because when you 're in the situation whether it 's political or religious you don 't always see it for the for the noise that surrounds you, but this is what 's happening and it 's a a very strange and an ominous echo of what we 're seeing in the
0: Islamic world well, you know when I think about how christianity how Christian faith should play out in public life, I think of the long tradition of hospitals that our church and many others have started globally. You know, you and others who travel globally have told me, if you get sick in a third world country, you're going to want to find a hospital that's sponsored by a church. That's where you're going to get the best health care, whether it's health care, whether it's uh, working with refugees, working with poverty issues, with development and relief, you know humanitarian work is an outgrowth of christian faith and yet it seems like the the dominant political values in christian political circles in america are not about humanitarian efforts at all it's more kind of the opposite direction
1: right now there's been books written about the uh the fact that Christian missionaries in the age of imperialism, particularly British imperialism, worked sort of tandem in tandem with the enlargement of the empire. But the, there's no question that the the, the missionary urge that uh, even the Seventh-day Adventist church had and operated at the same time at the beginning of the church, that that worked in conjunction with the expansion of empire. Now with the contraction of empire and America first, this is drawing the bridges up and building the walls. And I, I nothing that's happened lately symbolizes it more it's secular, but it has a religious connotation of someone trying to come from Mexico, being shot from the border, killed on their own land as they try to enter the U.S. Uh, you think about it. During the Cold War, this was the Christian nation. We were the godly nation versus communism. We would welcome everybody. Something's changed, something very uh, uh, pivotal and visceral. It's not by uh, legal action, it's not by, uh, you know, no laws have been changed, but the public mood has changed, and uh, rightly or wrongly, a lot of the religious leaders, or at least the prominent vocal ones, have been uh, singing the siren song of political power and conflating this national mood with, with religiosity, and it's wrong. Religious well, liberty is for all people, and, and religious expression should be as the hymn we used to sing, Deeds of
0: Love and Mercy you talk talking about the hospitals. Absolutely. Right. So, you know, in the time we have remaining, this is a good way to transition. This is, you know, 2018. It's the 50th anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, of which religious Absolutely. freedom is very important. And Liberty Magazine is one of the co-sponsors of an essay contest asking whether... Uh, religious freedom is a universal human right. Right, and we're directing this uh, consciously at young people because,
1: you know, important values have to be passed on to the newer generation, and we're sometimes not so sure that that's being done correctly. So we want young people to think and to write about the universal importance of religious liberty.
0: What's the deadline for submission, and uh, is there a a prize structure? How does this work? You're asking me more than I am uh,
1: privileged by memory to tell you. (laughs) But uh, they can go to our Liberty website. Uh, As you know, it's printed in our current issue. All the rules, the deadline, and and, and prizes and so on, there'll be full acknowledgement. I I believe there's some cash prizes. Uh, We will print uh, at least one, maybe several of the, uh, the, the top entries. Uh, and, and we, we hope for very good things. We hope this is a catalyst for young people and others to think in you about the universal application and, and universal value of religious freedom. Not just as a nice thing because we're Christians, but really it's the glue that, that, that makes the world work. You know, I love the poem. Uh, the, the second coming by William Butler Yates, but it, it haunts me every time I hear the in there that the center cannot hold. And we know that civil rights are important, and the central civil right is religious freedom.
0: It is. I mean, if we don't have the freedom not only to own our own beliefs, but to live by them, what else do we have? You know, that's, that's central to our humanity.
1: Right. And... Um, Uh, By the way, we've got another very good article coming up in Liberty Magazine that argues very uh, persuasively from the uh, philosophical development of of democracy that American democracy has been so significant and effective because it's linked with religious rights. It's not just that democracy and, and liberalism has embraced religious rights, it's what makes it unique. It cannot exist correctly without it, or else you devolve into what the uh, French Republic did after the the French Revolution.
0: So let me close the show today, Lincoln, by urging our listeners to go to the libertymagazine.org site, subscribe, and actually get the print copies, but also you can read articles on And send it to somebody else. Religious liberty needs to be shared and distributed everywhere, but starting with the thought leaders. We're out of time. Our guest today, Lincoln yep. Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.